Welcome to the Arena Deckless Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson, joined by Brian Gottlieb. And I had a different show planned for today, but then we got flooded with preview cards because I didn't really check my dates and realize when this is happening. So maybe we'll talk about things like Pioneer and perhaps its relevance and actually greater importance at a future time. But today... Talk about new magic cards, baby. The best time of the year is new magic card time. Streets of New Capenna dropping upon us. Weird vibes from this set, Gerald. The, the yeah. whole the whole theme. Like I, I, I don't dislike it. I'm not saying it's I think it's like bad. It's weird though. It, it's real weird in the magic space. And yeah, we'll see if it is something that myself and the rest of the community grows to like embrace and really love and is looked back fondly upon or if it's just going to be this weirdo moment in magic's history where we're all of a sudden doing like the chicago streets with gangsters all just just out of nowhere this is this is the thing now it is strange i don't mind them trying new things and no, also, I don't either. also i'm fully aware that the vast majority of things that they could try would probably not register with me as like, oh, this is something I, I appreciate and connect with. So it's just like hoping the cards are good and fun and interesting to build around and we're talking about. That's all I really care about. How are you feeling thus far on that front? I, I don't know that this set has knocked my socks off out of the gate. I think there's some cool stuff here. Uh, not the same level of home runs for me as we saw with Kamigawa. But yeah. still a lot of space left, so I'm, I'm not ruling out that we get there eventually. Look, man, we're, we're at 65 of 281. This is the eighth set in standard, so we're going to yep. have a full standard. This. And they know that eighth set needs to have some bangers in order to see play. So you got that going for you. There are a few cards I do really like so far, but we also just get some triomes and some charms and probably some just you know, pretty good cycles in general. So we're not done yet. You know, there's still still a lot of cardboard to be revealed. Yep. And good, solid multicolor staples plays very well, especially in regards to the standard format we have now, which is uh, sort of a mid-rangey slugfest and uh, an interesting one, one that changes on a week-to-week basis. So I think a lot of this stuff, for the first time in a while, I'm like, this has a really good chance to hit. Dude, I haven't even really looked at a magic card in the last two weeks. So you're like, ooh, standard is interesting. It changes all the time. I'm just like, I have no idea. Well, Gerald, if you were to go to arena decklist. I know, GG, I know. But so don't, if I don't cut off my plug, hold on. I'm trying to make us money here. You have to pretend like you don't know. And let me you're finish the try plug. And make us money of what? The ads? The uh, ads that what, barely pay for hosting? What was our ad revenue last month? How, how well are we doing? It was like $2 or something. Nice. We are we are banking those big bucks. You know, people talk about the hard work it takes to get to the top of the content game, but sometimes you just got to bask in the dollars. Get those two bucks and go buy yourself uh, an Egg McMuffin. Are Egg McMuffins $2? I don't know. I don't really eat those. I went to 7-Eleven. A, a 20 ounce was like $2.40. So Okay. So you didn't get that this month. But if you work hard, maybe, maybe next, next month. month. Yeah. Maybe next month. Back in my day, man, you can't yeah, you can't even buy a gallon of gas, right? Like back in my day, oh, I remember no. when like bottled soda and gas were both like 99 cents. Yeah, I remember 99 cent gas. We are uh old. Showing very old. Showing our age. Yep. Anyway, uh no Mountain Dews, but we have magic cards at least. I'll take it. Cool. Uh, do you want to finish plugging the the tier list or anything? Yeah, arena decklist.gg, standard tier list. I keep that keep that thing updated nearly every week. If nothing happens in a week, I, I will take off a week. But I, I mean, this has been a good standard. Things change on a week-to-week basis. The format looks basically nothing like it did at the start of Kamigawa and definitely nothing what it looked like before that. And it's been really interesting to watch it evolve. So uh, there's a good standard right now. And it's a shame, honestly, more people don't know about it because there's really no reason to pay attention to it. And it's it's a real return to form for, for the, the format. So I, I wish there was more reason to be invest, invested in standard right now. I mean, we got we got reasons coming up. So yes. Yes, maybe the timing is not optimal. Like maybe it would have been cool if it happened 
three months ago or whatever. Sure, but, but you're, you're never going to nail that time. I'm, I'm just glad they're like no. getting their feet under them because it shows like a, a different way of thinking about things. And I, I think that has been reflected in the last few sets. Even you can go to the simplest example and just look at like the anvil not being broken. It's so easy to break that. And it's just, it isn't. It's it's smartly done. And it's an excellent part of a, a tier 1.5 Sandra deck. So I am. And it goes all, all the way back it. to modern too. Yep. Which is very cool. Uh, it has, it has like a, a lot of the overdeveloped text on it, you know, but it's what it takes. Yeah. I, I would take overdeveloped over broken any day of the week. And yeah, this card could have easily fell on the other side of the fence. So. All right. New card time. You ready? Hit me. All right, we'll start with these crime boss folks. I'm gonna I'm gonna do them all, Brian. I think. Okay, you want to talk about each one of these? Yeah, because they all have they all have text. So lots of words. Yeah, lots of words. All right, Rafine, scheming seer, uh, Esper mana, WB uh, one four legendary creature, Sphinx demon, flying ward one. Whenever you attack, target attacking creature connives X where X is the number of attacking creatures and connive is draw X cards, then discard X cards, put a plus one, plus one counter on that creature for each non land card discarded this way. So weird mechanic, but thinking about how it plays out, I think that this is a pretty cool mechanic for any sort of like aggro or tempo deck where you get to like, you're, you're incentivized to put on pressure Right. And then that leads to you filtering your hand, not necessarily converting into raw card advantage or anything, but you do get a lot of bonus by actually doing what the cards tell you to do. So I do like that. I agree. I don't think this is the most elegant mechanic. It's not really uh, evocative of anything for me, but I do see how it sits in the existing framework of standard, especially in Esper Colors. You know, you see a lot of like Kaido Suzuki. And there's also, uh, you know, wedding invitation decks all around. And this this triggers off of the total number of attacking creatures. So they don't have to be non-token, which is very nice to see. So all those token synergies work really well. Uh, you have like the unblockable creature from Kaido to put any kind of conniving counters on and get that damage through. So you see how this fits together. You, you'd think of Esper as a more controlling set of colors, but everything's sort of mid-range-ish right now. And I, I think Esper could potentially find a home for a small number of Rafine. I don't think it changes the archetype or is like an absolute home run must play, but it, it does some cool stuff where I could see a copy or two of this making the cut. Yeah, Ward is pretty underrated in general, I think. I agree. I especially like, I appreciate the mana tax more than like a graveyard trespasser you know, discard a card or something that's like pay life in a lot of instances, because if, if that's kind of like your only threat or just your only important threat, it's like, it, it doesn't really cost them anything to remove it in a lot of instances. Yeah. It's more so when it's like they are getting beat down by a bunch of stuff and that's your best thing. And they're, they're light on resources where it actually starts to tax them. So like actually getting the mana tax, I think is nice. And Generally, my rule for three drops is like has to be able to do something the turn of ETBs. Ward kind of helps with that, where it's like, okay, well, maybe you can't actually remove it this turn. Four toughness helps with that too. And then maybe you get like a small connive trigger. And then it's not a big deal. This is like mostly a thing that is going to matter over the course of multiple turns or whatever. So it's it's like a lot of like really small impact stuff that might add up to something. But then I think in terms of like the Esper decks that exist and I, I played a decent amount of Esper before. It's like, would I actually want this card in the deck? Not really. Cause I, I was more like mid range leaning control, but that can change. Yeah. They, the decks tend to shift uh, up and down the aggro control spectrum for sure. So, you know, maybe the right tool for sometimes not the right tool for other times. And that's one of the best parts of standard is how adaptable it is. Yeah. But this is kind of what I'm talking about where it's like the card has a lot of text. It's not like in your face appealing, but it does make you have to think and will probably trick me into putting it in some decks at some point. Into crafting it with your mythic wildcard. I didn't say that. Okay. I didn't think so. Lord Xander the Collector. Four UBR, six, six, legendary creature, vampire, demon, noble. Uh, when this enters the battlefield, target opponent discards half the cards in their hand rounded down. Whenever this attacks, defending player mills half their library rounded down. When this dies, target opponent sacrifices half the non-land permanents they control rounded down. Interesting. The main draw for 
this card to me right now is its interaction with Soren, and that uh, like if you really wanted to get froggy with it, you could minus and and drop this down. It being a vampire, you know, we did this kind of with the champion previously to draw some cards. Now you just half mind twist your opponent and have this big thing on the battlefield with some other payoffs as it either attacks or bites the dust. Uh, it doesn't really fit with what vampires is doing. Maybe there's like some weirdo vampires approach in Pioneer. It's, that I could mean, it's not this. bad. I, the problem is like obviously it's not castable right yeah it's it's only good in this one scenario right it's like the maximum ceiling of your deck but the floor is also really bad so i don't know if that's exactly what vampires wants to do it's more of just like a play good solid things get value here and there type deck than a swing for the fences type deck um as far as just like playing this retail i don't think so i i think by the time you're casting this it's not doing enough rounding Rounded down is a huge difference compared to rounded up. Yep, agreed. So I am mostly off it for those purposes, but it's interesting in combination with Sora, and I'll have to take a look at that. Yeah, this is one of those things where it's, it has so much text and, and does a lot of stuff, but, you know, your opponent's keeping the best cards in their hand. They're keeping their best permanence. They yep. can they don't necessarily have to kill this thing. They can just attack around it, go wide, sort of ignore it. Uh, so like, this is not a thing that necessarily helps you stabilize in the way that you want to stabilize, which might be a death sentence. Yeah. On, on turn three though, it's a whole different ball game. Like the, the yeah, suffers I'm, a lot I'm, at that yeah, point of, of the game. So then you, you just don't care what happens, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, Zeatora, the incinerator three BRG six, six legendary creature, demon dragon flying at the beginning of your end step. You may sacrifice another creature. When you do this deals damage equal to that creature's power to any target and you create three treasure tokens. That's, that's a lot of treasure, and you can go face with this thing, but I, I don't like it. If you got if this was like an ETB, and you got some kind of instant payoff, and were immediately able to turn something else into some damage to the face, in, in a, then... In, in a lot of instances, you do get the instant payoff, though. Uh... Sure. Sometimes, sometimes it will survive, but when you're investing six mana, you just need to have, like, an almost assured instant payoff. So I don't know that I'm ever going to see this being the top end in any of my decks. It's again, just like investing six and not getting a return on this. That's not really how magic works these days. And this is close. This is like as close as you can get to making a creature like this without an ETB. Cause if you get to the end of turn, you're getting the real payoff. You're able to accelerate to uh, an even later game. I mean, that's part of the problem too, is like you, cast the six mana thing what are you going to do with your treasures and obviously there's stuff you can do with dragons and cheating I mean, them out so it's in a way it is like very big gold span dragon right where you you play this and then get a refund so you can do this and like you know play a removal spell or whatever uh, in a way assuming you have fodder and you yep, know, it, I mean, know it reminds me somewhat somewhat of like a Corvold type thing where if you're doing like Anvil shenanigans, you always do have fodder lying around and Yeah, I think Cor- I think Corvold really Corvold across the board is mostly better than this. Agreed. Agreed. Mana cheaper, huge payoff, got bigger, so no dispute here. That uh, if you're looking for a reason why this could potentially see some play, that's that's the analog I would draw. You need things to sacrifice that have like high power. I, I think Skyclave Shade uh helps with a lot of the cards that are in this set. Yeah. But even then, it's not an ideal card to necessarily put in your deck. So, no, that's fair. A lot, of, a lot of sacrifice shenanigans. So, I think Skyclave Shade is a good thing to pick up as a, a potential winner from this set. Jetmere Nexus of Revels, one R G Dub five four legendary creature cat demon creatures you control get plus one plus zero and have vigilance as long as you control three or more creatures. Creatures you control also get plus one plus zero and have trample as long as you control six or more creatures. Creatures you control also get plus one plus zero and have double strike as long as you control nine or more creatures. This is the one that is just not very appealing to me. Yeah, win more in a lot of ways. I mean, four mana five four isn't bad, but if you're in Naya colors, I don't know. Like, there's some appeal to the traditional Jespera Sentinel into Magda into this thing. You're already getting the first bonus. Your stuff has vigilance, which maybe you don't. One alongside Magda, actually, but whatever that you'll no, find it's ways fine. to you benefit from that. It's cool. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I I think like that particular run up is 
pretty good. Uh, Naya decks are mostly doing other stuff at this moment in standard. They're mostly rune based, and you're you've got some good competition at the four and five mana slot. Again, yep. usually dragons, which are not bound to the ground as Jetmir is. So I think this is mostly a miss. Maybe maybe it'll surprise me uh, if anything happens where like there's these ultra wide mirrors where you're making a bunch of tokens think back to like green white devotion mirrors or something like that this could be a pretty good mirror breaker in those scenarios where you just get really big out of nowhere on a single turn it could nine is a lot of creatures though for sure for sure so your output would just have to be pretty absurd which i don't really see happening but weirder things have happened right it's it's not something that's present in standard right now i don't think but anything could happen in the future Falco Spara, Pact Weaver, 1GW33, legendary creature, bird demon, flying trample. This enters the battlefield with a shield counter on it. You may look at the top card of your library at any time. You may cast spells from the top of your library by removing a counter from a creature you control in addition to paying their cost. Uh, shield counter is the next time a thing would be damaged or destroyed, remove the counter instead, yeah? Yes, I think that's correct. Uh, you know, divine shield from Hearthstone, basically. Yep. And which is I awesome. mean, awesome. yeah, I I love it so much more than something like hexproof or however we used to do this stuff. I mean, Ward is okay. I, I'm I'm good with Ward as well. I think having access to these things that make, give your creature a little bit more resilience without making them horrible, unkillable nightmares that ruin every single game of limited is where I want to be for these type of things. So I I'm into this card. I'm, I'm not convinced. It's like, great. I just really like it. I, I want to try and find something to do with it. You know, casting from the top of your library. I, I guess you can just do this with like plus one, plus one counters. And there's, there's probably some way to go pretty deep with that. Yep. Um, there are a lot so- of cards in the set. Yeah, so so maybe maybe this is this is good enough, but it is a small body. Once the shield counter is dealt with, pretty easily killable. I don't know that you'll always get this as a two for one. Uh, if if you do though, bodes very well for this being playable. How are you not going to get a two for one with this? There, well, you can do it from any sort of like damage, right? Yeah, but so it's blocking, not like... attacking. Yeah, but generally, if you're if you're attacking with this. You know, they have a 4-4 four, four flyer or whatever. You're probably doing that for a reason. You wouldn't just spew the shield counter, right? Yeah. So I feel like most of the time this is going to get a two-for-one, and then hopefully you are doing other stuff, which means that you can keep the shield counter on this. But standard also hasn't necessarily been about, you know, four-mana super slow engine. Yeah, it's 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 mid-rangey but not that mid-rangey. Things kind of accelerate past that point pretty quickly. This card is cool, though. Anything with a shield counter, I think, deserves a look. And there were standard formats where I would potentially consider an engine like this. And this this is not, it's not like, you know, you're just like only casting creatures or whatever. It's like pretty easy to Anything. cast stuff. Yeah, yeah no, that's fair. Yeah, land counts do trend high in present standard. So, I mean, you're probably only looking at like 33 hits out of 27, but you could you could cheat on that some ways. So, yeah, you have like the white elvish visionary or whatever, you know, stuff like that to clear the lands off the top. And sure. Yeah, it's it's doable. If you need it, it is there. Uh, yeah. Elspeth resplendent. Three dub dub five starting loyalty plus one. Choose up to one target creature, put a plus one, plus one counter and a counter from among flying, first strike, lifelink or vigilance on it. So that's two different counters to feed Falco potentially. Uh, Minus three. Look at the top seven cards of your library. You may put a permanent card with mana value three or less from among them onto the battlefield with a shield counter on it. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in random order. What what are you booing? Boo. Too much like collected company. I'm not here for it. Seven cards. And you only need to hit one thing, dude. Okay. I'm, I'm missing. Minus seven, create five, three, three white angel creature tokens with flying. I think people are not super stoked about this and I kind of get it, but I mean, depending on the three mana hits that exist, you get to get like play this and get like two very relevant things potentially. And the thing also comes with a shield counter. So obviously you have to hit. So sorry for any, you know, Brian G relators out there, but. Uh, this doesn't strike me as that bad, but you did bring up earlier that there's a lot of competition at four and five. So I'm sympathetic to that too. 
Yeah, one thing I like about Elspeth is that it accelerates to its ultimate very quickly. And what? again, it's, I'm not doing that. What do you mean you're not doing that? There's no circumstances under which you just want to get tall and get over the rest of the battlefield. We talked about board stalls potentially influencing these games, things getting very wide. So adding like plus one, plus one counter, plus vigilance can stall a lot of offense on your opponent's side. Lifelink is While you make your own offense. Lifelink as well. Yep. I, I think these abilities are very relevant. I think sizing can matter quite a bit. And then if you're just racing to make... Five, three, three, white angels. I, I think that wins most games. It'll it'll come up for sure. I'm I'm not about that life though. I just want to play this for the minus. Okay. I'd rather be safe and and know I'm getting some guaranteed value out of it and I'm not gonna miss and reveal seven lands off the top. Word. Do you do you think that this card is fine, decent, playable, terrible? I think it's playable. Um I'm also not over the moon about it, but I'd I'd be shocked if it sees zero play. Okay. Obnixilis the adversary. One BR, three starting loyalty, casualty X. The copy isn't legendary and has starting loyalty X. As you cast the spell, you may sacrifice a creature with power X. When you do copy the spell, the copy becomes a token. So turn two, Skyclave Shade, turn three this, sack it. You get two Obnixilises with three starting loyalty. Not bad. Plus one, each opponent loses two life unless they discard a card. If you control a demon or devil, you gain two life. Minus two, create a 1-1 red devil creature token with whenever this creature dies, it deals one to any target. Minus seven, target player draws seven cards and loses seven life. Dude, there's always something to get us sucked into Rakdosak. This card melts my brain. Like, just absolutely shreds it to Swiss cheese in terms of... I love this card. How good is the output? I, I, I think it's, like, very, very good. But I'm not 100% sure about that. I mean, okay, so Rectosac has a lot of small creatures. They have some ways of making some things that are like decently sized, right? I don't know if there's uh, like Zeatora and Obnixilis both are just like, I, you know, just find a seven power creature that can't attack or whatever just to sacrifice it. So it's like, okay, that's something you can try and look for, I guess. Because if you do that, you just get to ult this thing right away off the copy. But other than that, it's just like you get two copies of this thing. Even if you sack a Shambling Ghast, you're you're just like going after their life total so quickly. Yeah, just just plussing this aggressively does a lot of damage with with two of these on the battlefield. Um, hmm. I, I'm interested. I'm definitely interested. I, I, th- I have the sense this card is very, very good. It's just when I'm like trying to envision battlefield, something about it trying to like track both loyalties simultaneously and like track the output of these two things. I don't feel like I'm accurately picturing battlefields involving this card. And I don't know why it it just is not clicking with me yet, but I'm excited to try this one out for sure. Dude, there's like this meat hook anvil. I mean, we played Rakdosak decks before where it was like, Oh, we just need like another thing to, to drain our opponent. Right. And played bastion of remembrance, which was awful. Yeah. And then Meat Hook came out and it's like, okay, that's that's number one, right? If you're going super hard on sacrifice stuff. And then we got the anvil, which also helps, and then like this contributes so much too. So I, I feel like you you play this and if you casualty it for any amount and also just like, you know, maybe have a blocker, it's just like the game becomes a sub game, right? Where you're just trying to burn your opponent out as quickly as possible and it seems really tough to actually get through that. Yeah, I'm blanking on the name of the card right now, but there was a, a mode of Rakdos Sack that was playing the the card where you could sacrifice an artifact to make a 3-1 with haste. And that yeah. kind of plays very well into Obnixilis and making these disposable tokens and it's like Sakens and Smelter or whatever. Yes, yes. Yeah, that was Shota stack. I don't I don't mind that card. I think that card's pretty good. No, I think that card's good too. It sort of got supplanted by Fable of the Mirror, Mirror Breaker as time went on, and we don't really see the sack decks built like that anymore. But maybe you look at that again alongside Obnixilis. Maybe you turn to Skyclave Shade, like you said, some really good ways to make three power and just start plussing Ob and put your opponent in a really tough spot. Yeah, I think I think this card is very good. Excited to see it. It like even so, you take like your Naya Jasper Sentinel Magna deck, right? Uh-huh. And you you know Jun showed up some of the time for Infernal Grasp and whatever other black card they think they needed. Like this as like an anti control threat is also just pretty solid. I agree with you. Uh, skip Urbrask, yeah. Yeah, 
It's like fine. I, I'm not sold. Vivian on the hunt. Four GG, four starting loyalty. Plus two, you may sack a creature. Uh, birthing pod. Uh, if you do, search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost equal to one plus the sacrifice creature's mana value. Put it onto the battlefield and shuffle. Plus one, mill five cards. Then put any number of creature cards milled this way into your hand. Minus one, create a 4-4 green rhino warrior creature token. You know what we're up to with this, right? You've, you've gotten the memo as far as this card. This is the Planeswalker sneak attack? Yeah. Thing? Yeah, yeah this, this, this is the Splitter Twin situation. Yeah, you, I, you sneak attack it, you pot away the thing, get Felidar, Felidar blink this, pot away Felidar, get Karmic Guide, Karmic Guide back Felidar, whatever. Yeah. Yep, yeah, into Kiki Jiki and eventually win. Yeah, I, I mean, like, it's it's probably fine. The, the question is, like, how are you building the pieces around something like that? I have the sense that, like, Vivian might just be a good card if your deck is just a ton of multicolor acceleration and creatures and you just ramp up to Vivian and... You know, if you don't have your combo set up, you you just go ahead and do some plus mill five cards, make a four, four. Like all these modes are very, very good. Obviously, Vivian's an expensive card, so you're playing a weird game at that point. But maybe there's a way to do this with like devoted druid into secondary combos into Vivian into I don't know. Like, are we going up to Karn? Are we <laughs> looking to just play? Massive planeswalkers that can be cheated into play and get immediate value. I, I don't know. I, I think it's all interesting. It's certainly worth putting some reps into as far as the modern space goes. I have a feeling it's markedly worse than many other things we could do, but these things have a way of uh, exciting people, giving us something to work on. So I, I'm cool with it. And uh, if it makes up a new tier two deck, I'd be really excited. The plus one is worded interestingly. How so? I don't know. It's like you you mill five, so then they go to the graveyard, then go to your hand, right? Versus like a mulch type of thing where you just like reveal X okay. cards and put them in your hand. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder if that's exploitable. That's interesting. I don't, I don't necessarily view it as exploitable. Uh, if anything, it kind of seems like a downside, right? If they have like a rest in peace or whatever. Uh, there's there's things that will that will benefit from that. You're right. Rest in peace is a big problem for sure. Uh, shuts that down. But there's so many other things to do with this card. I'm, I'm pretty sure you'll be okay in that scenario. Desecrated Tomb. Get your, your bonus 1-1. One, one. If you would like to do that, you could. I guess you would like... It like leaves the graveyard triggers would work, right? So yeah. there's this, the spirit thing that cares about that kind of stuff. So I don't know. I, I, I'm sure that's not what this card is about. But it's weird that they did it that way. It's interesting they did it that way. And I wonder if there's some potential upside you can suss out from it. Yeah, I don't know. In terms of standard, your pod chain has to be like very good, very powerful, I think. Yeah. Or you play this as the six mana Garrick where you're just drawing a bunch of creatures, which I think is also fine. But that, that Garrick was also, it had like other good abilities, you know, and this right. is kind of medium compared to that. So I don't know. I, I, this is playable. It could show up. It seems worse than Elspeth, definitely worse than Obnixilis if like, you know, you want to compare Planeswalkers. Yeah, I, I think just chaining a bunch of 4-4s four is going to matter quite often. Um, if you look how most of these decks are set up, they do play the mana curve pretty well. They, they mostly climb all the way through. If you're, if you're talking about like a Jasper Sentinel uh, Magda deck, I, I think you cover every spot on the curve. So you might be able to turn your 4-drop into a Goldspan Dragon and really benefit from that. And then have a bunch of mana for your next turn after you mill 5 cards and put more threats out on the battlefield. So... I, I could see this having a home as the top end and just your generic green play dummies deck. Yeah, that's fair. People were playing the hexproof, like plus two, plus two counters on your turn thing. So. Yep. Yeah. And I, I guess I'll point out too, like four, four green rhino warrior. It goes well with the Seeker's Chariot. Everything kind of goes well with the Seeker's Chariot, but that's a fine token. And Yeah, this and, is know, clean. It's clean. Yeah, that's a big appeal of Ren and Seven, which is sort of filling that role now for these decks. If you look at the teamer decks that topped the standard tier list over on ArenaDeckList.gg. Bring us up to $3 next next month, please. They they often benefit from those type of things, uh, Ren and Seven as their top end and then doing the Asika's Chariot stuff. So I don't see any reason Vivian couldn't do the same thing. All right, what are we talking about next? Now the cards. Now the cards get really weird. 
They do get weird. I I still like a lot of these cards, but I, I'm not sure many of them are destined to really reshape standard. Jaxus is a weird card. Do you want to talk about Jaxus? Yeah, this is the one where I saw people posting about it and I read it once and my, my brain melted. There's a lot of brain melters in this one, but that's that's just kind of how we do magic cards these days. All right, 3R, 2-3, legendary creature, human warrior, R, tap, discard a card, Create a token that's a copy of another target creature you control. It gains haste, and when this creature dies, draw a card. Sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. Activate only as a sorcery. Blitz 1R. If you cast this spell for its blitz cost, it gains haste, and when this creature dies, draw a card. Sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. So, if you have a creature out on the battlefield, this is like three mana divination with upside? If everything goes right, and it can be substantial upside, right? Like m- making this haste creature can be, it could be a gold span dragon. It, it could be a boat. It could be anything. So as in terms of raw rate, like you need some stuff to go correctly. You need to have a secondary thing working with you. But just the, the blitz play here, pay two, put this onto the battlefield, pay one, copy something. There's really good return on that. That's card advantage. And if you manage to do something else with it, I I think this is a v- completely suitable power for standard. And then there's also the long game option of this. Just like your opponent's low on resources, you play Jaxus, and it can just take over the game by itself in some scenarios. So, Well, it's it's catalog, right? Because you have to discard a card to copy. Okay, that's that's fair. I, I kind of glossed over that. So, yes, no card advantage there, just generating uh, a, a little a little bump a little a little move through your deck very different scenario i think i still like it i i think it's it's still not bad it's just like the amount of weird burst scenarios that come up through this are, are kind of cool i can't really unpack all of them because it just seems like a lot of weird possibilities but the the downside to me is that like you shouldn't really be interested in hardcasting this thing, which is kind of sad. Yeah. Like it's, it's a good, powerful engine, but it, you know, two, three body with no immediate return is pretty sad. It's, it's, it's tough. It's yeah. Gonna go I mean, poorly. Yeah. You need it to survive and it probably depends a lot on like what removal spells look like, but you see how important fable of the mirror breaker is. And you know, very different card, obviously it just is generating value throughout its entire existence. It has the weird adventure creature thing going on where it just is, so many cards in one. Yep. But when you look at that actual body, not impressive. Maybe the versatility of Jaxus, the fact that you do have this blitz line, uh, is, is worth a little something. And I'm really interested in the idea that you could generate a lot of potentially lethal damage out of nowhere. Something like Goldspan Dragon just getting real big real fast. So, Yeah, and then if, if you have things that are worth discarding, then that's fine too. Then yeah, you're, you're not another bonus point for sure. But uh, similarly to like connive, it's just like, well, even if you are just doing a lot of filtering for, you know, trying to get some extra damage on the table, like that's also completely fine too. That that helps you further your game plan, set up for next turn, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and that has been important, again, in a very mid-range focus standard. So uh, correct. useful ability. Um, broker's ascendancy is not great. Maybe other ascendancies could be cool, though. I could see that. I don't think Broker's Ascendancy is awful, specifically with Planeswalkers. I could see a world where this snowballs very quickly, especially when Planeswalkers are making creatures and you're just kind of getting that double hit of value. Yeah, this that feeds Falco too, if you care about that. Yeah, good point. Uh, we have the Triumphs, which are great. We have the Charms, which are all pretty good. Yeah, too many words to read them here on the podcast. I feel like your your brain would just gloss over. But all of them are interesting. Anytime you have super modal stuff like this, it has almost always mattered, uh, kind of regardless of what these cards do, actually. If there's, if there's enough text on it, it'll find something to do. It'll be important in the format. I am a big fan of the Jund Charm. Okay. Esper Charm number two. Okay. But, I like but, the, I like the bat charm quite a bit. So that shows that they all, yeah. you know, have their place. That one's good too. I I am just not excited about the Naya stuff, man. I think the charm is okay, but it's just like that combined with the I don't know, head gangster, whatever you want to call him. Yeah, yeah. Uh it's just like I'm I'm not really into what the 
the Naya folks are up to. Oh, they're, tr- they're trying to get super wide. I get it. There doesn't seem to be a lot of punishment for that, but farewell is in the format. It seems some spot play. So I'm, I'm not really into the idea of just like play my Naya deck, get wider than you can deal with because even like things like Esper, which are ostensibly playing on the battlefield and very mid rangey, they, they have their sideboard answers to these type of strategies. So I, I don't think like amping up those strategies pushes them into tier one and standard. They still have just intrinsic flaws. Yeah, but, but I mean, part of your strategy has to either be like very resilient or very fast. And mm-hmm. if you're playing this three, neither. if yeah, if you're playing three colors and you have a triome, well, you're probably not going to be that fast, most likely. Right. So less less excited about the Naya stuff. We're going to need to preview like some really good Naya stuff. Some of the stuff that I've seen that does look good. I guess I'll just talk about. Uh, Gala Greeters right now. It's just like, well, this, I, I would just not play this in a Naya deck, right? I would just play this in Gruul or whatever. But uh, Gala Greeters is uh, 1G, 1-1, Elf Druid has Alliance, which is whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, choose one that hasn't been chosen this turn, put a plus one, plus one counter on this, create a tap treasure token, or you gain two life. And it's like, okay, you know, Alliance is pretty clearly like the Naya thing, right? That's yep. what you're getting rewarded for. But I'm not, I'm not trying to do Naya to trigger this, you know? I agree with you. Note, very importantly, this triggers off of token creatures, which is always kind of like a toss-up when it comes to these type of effects. So I, I think you're being very pushed in that direction. We know we have Wedding Invitation as an important card in the format. So that kind of stuff is probably existent. I mean, Chariot uh, too. Yeah, Chariot. Those decks even play like Starnheim Unleashed. So there, there's a lot of stuff they're already doing to get multiple bodies onto the battlefield. And Gallag Readers may want to have something to do with that. It's it's really bad on its like own. You just play this card. Terrible top deck. Uh, no impact on the battlefield really whatsoever. It has to combine with something. So uh, it's got some downside. I, I think people are maybe a little too hyped about this card. I've seen talk of like putting this in Winota and Pioneer. And I think that's just going a little bit too far. I don't think this is always going to give you that upside you think you're getting. So I would pump the brakes a little bit, but it probably has a place. uh, Solid participant in this format is my guess. I think it's worth trying in Winota, but I'm also not intimately familiar with the deck list where it's like, what two drop are you cutting for this? You know, I think that does matter a lot, but certainly if, if games go until, turn six, turn seven, and your output is good, you are going to get a lot of value off this. Yeah, as far as like what you're doing in Winota, you're thinking about things like Prosperous Innkeeper. And then I would point right below Gallag Readers, we have Courier's Briefcase, one colorless green artifact treasure. When Courier's Briefcase enters the battlefield, create a 1-1 green and white citizen creature token. Tap, sacrifice Courier's Briefcase, add one mana of any color. So you just kind of get right to your Winota turn and you have that creature ready to go. So very similar in a lot of ways to Prosperous Innkeeper without the life gain upside and this weird five mana draw three cards ability, which I don't think matters, but maybe you can make it matter if you wanted to. So uh, that that's an interesting little potential upside. I I like that ability, but I can't think of a situation where I would like want a one, one citizen in a deck where I could activate that ability, you know, cause it's, it's one of each color. So that is, that is a good question. I'm a little a torn. Fair question. I'm a little fair torn. question. Nimbled Larsenist. Esper mana. Yeah. Two, one creature bird rogue flying. When this enters the battlefield target opponent reveals their hand, you choose an artifact instant or sorcery from it and exile that card. My favorite card in the set thus far. It's so narrow, but yeah. like, like not bad. I don't know. It's it's bad. It's 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 bad. I know that. I know that in my heart. I know like I'm going to get punished for it, playing this. It depends. But. Do you play? You won't play Collective Company, which will hit. <laughs> but you'll play this instead, which won't hit. Yes. Uh, depending on how the format shakes up, I I can see this card being very good. Yeah, it, it's it's so narrow. So so narrow. It you is. have to be concerned about very specific things. But you know what? I want to I want to like blink this and get up to shenanigans and get value from it and probably none of that is going to happen it's just like supposed to be this uh uncommon limited placeholder and i get so excited about it because it reminds me of cards from 20 years ago so don't pay attention to me just let me do my thing over here and uh i i admit this is probably not good think about 
siding this in in like a control mirror when you could just sideboard a planeswalker instead or yeah a, like an actual good card kaido like <laughs> at yeah. the same cost you could just do that but you know what let's try this nimble larcenist it might work for us oh man it's rogue yeah get uh what zaratzan in there i got you two casts of this now you got a stew going yep you sure do uh a little chat one you instant casualty one Look at the top two cards of your library, put one of them into your hand and the other on the bottom of your library. This is, this is not bad. It's okay. It's okay. If, if you have enough disposable stuff around, I think you could benefit from this pretty easily. Is this even like close to Deadly Dispute though? That's the thing. No, no, it's not. But like, I, are we going to have Deadly Dispute forever is the other question I would ask. That's a good call. And I, you know, we're coming up on rotation, which feels wild to me. I don't know why. I, I guess because like kind of blacked out this year and don't really remember all that much of it, uh, especially when it relates to magic. But it, we are coming up on rotation soon and a lot of things are going to change. We need to find some replacements for these old favorites and Deadly Dispute is probably chief among them. So this isn't the worst way to do it. I'll say that. Light them up. One R, sorcery, casualty, casualty two. Light them up deals two damage to target creature or planeswalker. In old magic, this card would be really good. Yeah, I don't believe it is anymore. Yeah, same. Why it's, can't it be an instant? Like, really, that's going too far if we make this an instant? I mean, casually stuff as an instant is kind of weird because then you get the spots where they kill your thing and you just get to sack it and respond. Yeah, awesome. That, that's what I'm here for. Okay. No, I mean, that, that's that's completely fine. This one, this one is super weak, but it has the potential to be, like, really oppressive, too, so... I am. I'm kind of fine with this being weak. Like, if, if you really want to turn to this, you can. I don't want to turn to this. I I want it to be good. I just don't. Think I'll, I'll turn to anything else instead. Yeah. Uh, Discipline duelist, Bant mana, two one human citizen, double strike enters with a shield counter on it. Hmm. Eh. Mm, eh. Eh. I, I don't know. I mean, like, there's there's some pretty good pump stuff out there, but uh, shield counter is good, but. No evasion whatsoever. This probably just runs into tokens forever. So mostly off it. Yeah, but like you get to, you know, put runes on it or whatever, man. I don't know. Give it trample. Yeah. Let's go. There's better things to put runes on these days. It'll happen. Uh, an offer you can't refuse. You instant counter target non-creature spell. Its controller creates two treasure tokens. Sure, you don't want to attempt a horribly offensive accent, as you say, an offer you can't refuse? Not really. Okay. Well, I was just making sure. I wanted to give you the opportunity. I I like this card. I always like these weirdo counter spells that come with tremendous downside. I was a big Swan Song fan back in the day. You can often find spots for things like this if you are creative and and really think about their purposes. But they're they're narrow. They're specific. Often they're better in older formats than uh, current formats where giving someone two treasure tokens is kind of a disaster. But if it becomes, you know, the format becomes about, say, Vivian, you know, as a really important thing to do. And you just need to get an edge in Vivian mirrors and have the mana advantage. You ever snipe something like that with this card? Really powerful. It's it's not conditional in any way. You only need to hold up one mana. So uh, I could it wouldn't shock me if this sees some play in very narrow spots. I think I died to the Swan Song 2-2. More than I won games where I cast Swan Song. It's possible. You just weren't selective enough in your Swan Song. You you didn't have the uh, wherewithal to successfully be a Swan Songer. I think Swan Song just sucked. <laughs> it's possible. Which sucks more, Swan Song or an offer you can't refuse? No, it's definitely Swan Song. Okay. I like the the treasures are good, right? But ultimately, if you like, you're trading up on mana first of all. So like, you're kind of getting an edge there. And then if you're in some sort of kind of like long drawn out game or whatever, then the artifacts don't necessarily matter that much. Yeah. I mean, in the late game, this can be an absolute house. So, you know, if it gets to a place where we're playing these really long drawn out games and I would be shocked if there wasn't one or two of these in every single blue deck. Yeah. And like, I mean, non non creature spell is big net. Yeah, it is a big net. So I definitely like that a lot. Uh, strangle or sorcery. This deals three damage to target creature or planeswalker. Okay. Dude, I love it. Yeah. I mean, are you going to, are you going to play it? Maybe. Uh, I, I think a lot of my decks will like voltage surge more. Yep. But there are definitely going to be decks that don't necessarily have artifacts. 
Uh, hopefully not. Not if I'm playing red. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and get my anvil going. I, I really love Voltage Surge. I think it was a, a great print and a huge turning point for sort of those decks in the format. So I, I totally buy into the impact the perfect removal spell can have on an archetype. I just, again, wish it was an instant, I guess. I don't know why I'm being so picky about my removal spells, but sorcery kind of dooms this one for me. It's not like sorcery is bad so much as instant speed four damage is really, really good. Sure. Right? I, I agree. But we have that. And I, I think you're probably incentivized to jump through those hoops to get it because it is so powerful. What if you're playing red and you're not playing a bunch of artifacts? Then you're a fool and I have no time for you. What if you're playing some werewolves or something? Yeah, werewolves. Werewolves are pretty good. That, that go. might be okay. Got him. Uh, anything else? No, that's that's about it. There, you know, there's some there's like getaway car, which I think is an interesting vehicle, but nothing great. Uh, some removal spells. There's the Halo Fountain. If you want to just you know get wrecked on Halo, you stick your head in the fountain. It's going to be great. But other than that, I think this is like a, a pretty slow start for a set. There's there's neat stuff. Nothing that blows me out of the water. Maybe Ob is the one that is really like blowing me out of the water. Although the more I talk about Vivian, the more I'm kind of convinced that that could be an important part of Endgames as well. So uh, Planeswalkers. Planeswalkers kind of stealing the show for me thus far, which hasn't been the case recently. Maybe it should have been. If you go back and look at Kamigawa, you know, we were not high enough on the Wandering Emperor. Probably I mean, uh, about right on Kaido, I would say. I I think all of them was just like, okay, I could could see you know, where this would fit or whatever. But yeah, Emperor ended up being a little bit more ubiquitous than we thought it was going to be. Right. But like when we started talking about the card and it was like, wait, they're like, they can't attack with the small things. You just ambush it with a two, two. They can't attack with just a big thing because you just exile it. And then it's like, oh wait, this kind of has like the Kaido ability where they can't attack it on the turn. You play it, you know, it was like all those things were like, okay, okay. You know, these, these are all upside things now that we're actually all talking about it. So Yeah. Yeah, I sort of did the same thing to myself with Vivian on on this show. Yeah, where exactly. I was mostly thinking about combo stuff, but the more I see it as just a fair card, the more I think it's quite good. So, uh, yeah, Ab and Vivian stealing the show for me thus far, and looking forward to seeing what else there is in Streets of Dukapena. Seven out of ten thus far. That's that's my rating. Yeah, I agree with that. The, the weird thing for me is we have the triumphs and the charms. The guild leaders i don't whatever i i don't know why my brain can't come up with like what they're actually called the mob bosses what are they actually called i don't uh, why are you asking me this is like clear clear vorthos stuff that i am not going to be on top of my brain just will not family heads family head sure is that right i don't know i don't know that felt very right to me when i said it i got very excited about it so like you you have those folks which are like okay they have text but it's not like they're necessarily the builder rounds for the archetype necessarily Mm -hmm. so it's not like oh like you don't have a signpost for like oh you start with four of this card and like this is the thing that makes you want to be the shard so we have the charms that are pretty good and the triumphs that make things a lot easier. And then I'm just like, okay, but like, why, why would I be three colors so far? And I haven't, I haven't really seen that. So like, I agree with you. We need to get, I agree. we need to get not more beyond what we card. have already anyway. I don't think this has changed anything. Yeah. I mean, I, so like Esper, it's like, okay, yeah, you get your triumph and you get your, your charm. Uh, I don't know if you play four of the charms or whatever, but like you're already in three colors. So cool. This is just a value add, but what are the things that are telling me to actually play all three colors? And I'm waiting on that. Next week, they'll be here. I have faith. I mean, we only have one more preview show, right? How is that possible? Yeah, this is like a super condensed preview season. So we're going to have 10,000 cards to talk about next week. Are we Are we already at top 10 next week? I don't think so, right? Like we, we're just no. nearly at the end. I mean, it depends on when releases. That can make things weird, I guess. Yeah. I want to do one more week of previews, then we'll do top 10. Give me three weeks of preview season. If you don't give it to me, I'm going to take it. Just like I took back the Pro Tour. Deal with it, Wizards. You took back the Pro Tour? Good job, buddy. Well, I took back the name. Mm, Yeah. I don't know if I actually did that. We did it. We did it as a group. Dude, Obnixilis is busted. Okay. It's $18. I don't know. I've, I've I've been bit before, man. 
that's that's a lot of dollars. I don't even. Uh, never mind. Don't listen to me. I don't know what magic cards cost anymore. It, they either cost a wild card or they don't. That's how I can evaluate them these days. Okay. So, so yeah. So there there are three variants, and the community will decide on what variant they like the most, and then that one will basically absorb all the value because like everyone will want that version, not the regular one. Well, it's isn't it just the rarest version? Like, what is? Are, are there multiple? I, same yes. rarity versions. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're probably right about that. Oh, but there's three. So, like, regular Kaito is 11. Yeah. Th- this is, like, a fairly beloved card that also shows up in a decent amount of spots, right? And then the two weirdo versions, the Borderless and the Showcase, are both 30. But, like, the, so, the so regular, the regular is really rare. Cheap. Well, that is the upside of all these variants, right? Is that if you yeah. just want a, a basic magic card, they've generally gotten cheaper. Which, which uh, I kind of do. Exceptions. I kind of do. I don't know. I, I was very hard into the get the weirdest variant possible, and uh, I'm mostly off that now. I think they just kind of have what what's the biggest form of jumping the shark you could do? Like shoot over the shark with jet powered skis and you know, do a 20 backflips before you land. It, it's so far over the shark that it's not even funny at this point. Dude, we're not and even there yet. Just wait. Uh, I guarantee are, it gets worse before it gets better. There That's are the best part. 11 variants of Gallagreeters on the, this mythic spoiler site thus far. That's only one card though. I mean, for now, for now, for now, for now. Yeah. Who knows how many there are in the future? And I see there's like two Jaxus. Why are there two? Like what's different about these two? They're both full art, right? Um, I'm scrolling down. Yeah, scroll down below the uh, the pile of Gallagreeters. They're both full art, but they're different art. Oh, one's a, oh, one's the buy, buy box. a box. Yeah, buy a box. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is this is so it's so silly. It's so so silly at this point. The number of variants. No, like, the buy a box is normal. That's fine. Uh, yeah, but come, like, look at this website. We weren't even sure that these uh, family heads were in the set. Like, I, I was not 100% convinced that they weren't just commander cards. You can't tell anything. And look, as we get ready to do live magic again, and I'm assuming coverage will be part of that somewhere, and I hope coverage is part of that. You and I talked about a game we covered years ago. Decades ago on the SCD tour. I think I mostly blocked this from my memory. Yeah, I remember it very well. There was someone in the feature match area who was playing either uh, Affinity or I I think what more likely it was was Lantern and had masterpiece versions of every single uh, artifact in their deck. And somewhere along the line, it was literally like halfway through the match. We were both just like, I have no idea what's happening anymore. And we just gave up and talked about other things until the match was over because it was completely impossible to cover. I think that might happen like every other round now when it comes to magic coverage. And I will tell you this, if I am ever ever in a position to participate in a high level, important magic tournament again, I'm going to ruin it for whoever's casting my matches. I will make sure that the worst version of every possible card is in my deck just to emphasize a point of how silly this has gotten and how much we put this nonsense ahead of just playability and actually having a readable, visually recognizable card game. You can't do that because your your mechanics are not fast enough. I will play a very... I will sacrifice my entire tournament to make this point. That's fair. Uh, alternatively, you could have like two versions of your deck and only play the, the weird oh, one. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I like, I like this. This is nice. Which do you think is worse? Do you think it's worse if I just like find the version I decide is the weirdest, most obscure version? Or if I play four versions of every possible four of in my deck? Okay, so that might be worse because it's going to be hard for them to just be like, Like okay, I I recognize that that is a charm or whatever. And then the next time you play a different version of a charm, you know, they can't recognize it. Right. Let me tell you how sick I am. This is the most motivated I've been to do well in magic in probably a decade. Okay. I, I actually care about this. Brian, like, this is what is driving me. Brian, I'm actually going to throw in on this. So here's the plan, right? Yeah. Is either either you, I, I think you should build it because like you probably want these cards more than me. And also, I don't, but continue. Well, I mean, you, 
you own these cards. You at some point have like actively seek them out for like amulets, stuff like that, right? Where sure. Yeah. Yeah. I have some weirdos there. So we need to play the same 75 so that we can, you know, it's like, okay, I have a camera match this round. Hand me your right. deck, right? Right. And then next round, you have the camera match, hand you the deck back. Yeah. We, we can actually just do it with like a whole bunch of people in the Discord and we all figure out. You know, we'll we'll work on it. We'll figure out the best deck. Like I said, I'm motivated for once, so I will I will actually do this. Yeah, it's just like you have to play the same 75 as us. Yep. And then, and then you get the nightmare version. And hopefully it's just like, you know, we crack the tournament open. So it's someone that we worked with every single round on camera, and we just pass the deck back and forth, just ruining lives. I, I have basically played in opens like that where that happens. So it's it's non-zero for sure. Yep. Here's hoping. I finally have something to strive for. I feel like a new man. The the messed up thing though, dude, is that you're like, man, I hope coverage comes back. And then you're like, I'm going to ruin coverage. It's <laughs> like, dude. Look. We just got this back. Why are you trying to make I'm, him take I'm it away I'm going to ruin it so we can save it in the future. You see, I'm playing both sides. So I always come out on top, Gerald. That's yeah, how it works. Yeah, I mean, you might, be, you might be saving magic as a whole, which is kind of cool and i definitely appreciate yeah, n- that nobody's nobody's going to pay any attention nobody cares it doesn't matter nobody's going to listen i mean it's such an obvious problem that if anyone cared about the problem then you would have addressed it already yeah the the problem that most stands out to me is as a vendor and trying to sell cards online and i i think it's like better in this set because all the cards are individually numbered now like the different versions are numbered instead of them having the same number yeah, yeah. So that helps, but it's still like a pretty bad solution. I, I'm not even thinking that. I'm just I I just think about the person who like doesn't live magic, like is you know just yeah. a, an occasional FNM player and wants to go play standard at their local store, and they show up and they have to look at four different versions of the same card throughout their tournament. You're just asking so much of, and I think about how I learn magic. Like I learn it through flashes of color i don't even see the art i just know like oh there's those colors so this card is here and i shortcut all this stuff and i i need that to be able to function i can't sit there and have to break down every single card and everyone i think who has played any large amount of magic has like gotten confused by a card that looks like another card or you know you play that limited format where two cards look very similar to each other and you misread your hand at a crucial moment have you done that or is this just a me thing no i mean it happens yeah, and so you're just amplifying this problem with every single card that exists, and uh, I I think it's an, it, like there's a lot of things I can forgive, but I think this is a direct decision that puts dollars and cents ahead of playability. And as soon as you make those lines like very very clear, where you say money is more important in this scenario to sell these variants and do this stuff than to present the best game to play possible. You lose me. I I can't support you in that. And there's so many things you could do that don't do that, right? You can extend the frames all you want. I've always loved extended frames. Yeah, those are cool. Do that forever because it's the same picture and it's it's not hard to see that. And even foils where so many people dislike foils. I very much embrace foils. I'm down with that because they look exactly the same. As soon as you break from that, though, you lose me. And I I think you're just doing it to make money and I I can't get on board. So uh, Max Kahn posted a thing today. He's working on redoing the deckless viewer for the NRG series site. Mm-hmm. And the the thing that I posted was that I really badly wanted a shareable high-res visual deckless exporter with card text visible and readable. And it is mainly for people who are not, like, you know, they don't have every single magic card memorized with all yeah. the card art. And there was a time where I think if you were... A, a PTQ regular, you probably did, but it was a lot easier also then because there was only like one card art and the amount right. of like playable cards was also much smaller. The amount of magic cards as a whole was much smaller. Yep. And these problems like exacerbate and especially as magic gets bigger and has spanned across three decades now where like you are getting influxes of new players as, you know, people hit 14, 15, 16, whatever and start actually getting into magic and everything. And it's just like, you need these things to be accessible. 
And we learned this lesson so long ago with like the, the textless cryptic command, right? It's I just don't understand yeah. why they go back yeah. on that and stuff so often. The, the thing that blows my mind is it's the same people now telling me the other thing. The, right. the same people who told me why I couldn't have cryptic command be textless are now telling me that this is fine and there's there's no problem here. So that's that's what really makes me feel wacky. Yeah, it is. It is very strange. And if there was actually a good rationale for it, I could get on board, but it was just like, that's what I thought then. This is what I feel now. And my opinion just changed kind of randomly. And it's like, what? I don't understand. Pay no attention to that bag of money. Yeah. Added to (laughs) Wizards of the Coast coffers. That is not related to this decision. Yeah. I don't get it, man. It's fine. This is this. You do get it. You get it. I I get it. This is this is like the the least of our worries, man. It's fine. Agreed. One thing at a time. Let's let's bring bring coverage back first. And then we'll ruin it. Game. Good luck.